Welcome and hello for a change to the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. This is episode 33 and the penultimate episode of our very first season doing the show. And we're rounding out the final weeks in style. John and I have a huge long list, a couple of pages worth, I'd say, of guests that we've thought of to come on the pod and give us some great content so that you don't have to listen to me and John the whole time for any extended periods And on that list, we've got people we've chatted to about coming on. Maybe we've met them in the pub or at a game or some people we've reached out to once or twice. Some people we've already got lined up, booked up for next season. But one of those we've been desperate to get on and his name is circled on our page many times is here with us today. A pleasure, as always, to introduce Dumfries Saints captain, Craig Goldie. Goldie, thank you so much for making it. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. No, thanks for having us anyways. So I know John will be getting sick of messaging me, trying to get me to find a free week, free day to come and do it, but we'll go there eventually. So no, it's good to be on anyways. So. No, we're delighted to have you. So we need to figure out how you got to the captain's role that you're that you're at now. So what is rugby to you? When did it start? What's the journey been? How have you got to where you are right now, sitting here today with us on the pod? It's always been, I've always been at Dumfries. It's always been with the Saints. I say started when I was primary four, primary five, and I say I've been there ever since, just kind of working my way up through and captain a lot, a lot of the time at kind of youth. I was captain a lot of the youths, and then say eventually the opportunity came my way this season with Gavin Charge. So no, it's been a good season. I say enjoyed it thoroughly, anyways. So just keep building on it and keep going. We often talk about the the youth sections at clubs, especially in somewhere like Dumfries and Galloway, how important it is for these, you know, minis, midi sections to really try and get involved as much as possible because the catchment area that we have is small and trying to get people into rugby and then continue with the rugby right through is quite hard. So what was it like, you know, kind of growing up in the Saints youth section, I would say that how's it how has it been? throughout that youth and, and you know, continuing to try and harness your love for rugby? I think it was quite, for me, personally for me, it was quite easy at Dumfries because I've grown up through all my years playing with the same group of players. So, and I say, when we hit seniors, there was seven of us came seniors at the same time. So you've always had the same kind of group of boys there, which has always made life easier. So it's always been, it always helps when you've got a good group of folk round about you that you're, playing with year in, year out, and you get to know each other, and so you get to know styles you play, and it just, you get that bond better, and I say it shows more on the pitch as well, so, no, it's always, it's always been quite easy for me, being at Dumfries, just having that close group of friends. Involved in rugby, Goldie, how, how did it, how did it start, was there, is there a parent, is there a rugby lineage in your family, where did, where did the passion come from? It would all start with, Coach Duncan Kennedy, as he, he used to, he was, well, he, he scans the cows and sheep on the farm at home, and they say he was always coming along, and it was him that kind of persuaded us to come down and give it a try. He says, a lumpy boy that I was, he says, you may as well come and give it a go anyways. So, and yeah, never really looked back from then. I say I was fortunate, obviously, I had Duncan and a lot of good coaches when I was younger, so they, they kind of put you through the paces and got you up to speed so no it did 
it was Duncan that kind of got me going along and say, <laughs> Mum was the one that got left to do the the taxi duties and ferrying me about the countryside. So see, I think she would be quite glad when I got to the stage I could drive myself anyways and she didn't have to worry about it anymore. So. Goldie, you mentioned there about quite a few of you making the step up into seniors at the same time, which obviously made things a lot easier, a lot probably a lot more fun for yourself as well. We often wonder what that step up is like. We actually talked about it on the pod a few weeks ago, John, when I wasn't there, that it's quite a big step up. How did you find it going through your whole youth career in one club and then making the step up? It can be difficult, but it probably, because you spent your whole time at Dumfries Saints, it it must have been like quite an honour as well at the same time. Yeah, it was quite quite an honour, as you say, to get the the shot of playing for the seniors anyways in the same I was fortunate when I was under 16s, the, my coach at that time, Mickey Hunt, was the senior coach as well. So we were always in, involved with the seniors. As I say, we, he gave us the option if we wanted to go after our, our junior training had finished, if we wanted to join with the seniors, we could do that. And I think that really bridged the gap for a lot of us because you were, you did it because you wanted to and say you didn't go about kind of pussyfooting it and you didn't get the option to hide as if you wanted to do it so when you went when you came up to the step up you were you were used to the contact and you were used to you, you kind of knew what was coming which as I say that kind of bridged the gap for us whereas now you can see the gaps maybe just to say they don't get the same contact and interaction with the seniors when they're coming out of the junior rugby which I know it's obviously looking at the health of the players and things like that but for us, it definitely benefited the fact that we were ready for senior rugby when we came to when we came to that that age that we were having to step up. And what about since that? So since that first season that you had at seniors, how many years has it been now that you've played senior at Saints? Uh, that's this is my tenth season at senior rugby, so ten years now. So it seems to have flown by. So looking back on those ten, what kind of state of affairs? were Dumfries Saints in when you first made that step up to to seniors and has it evolved? Has it where were you in the leagues? You know, how how is how do you look back on these ten years to to where you are right now? Oh we've definitely we've definitely come on leaps and bounds from when we when I first stepped up to senior rugby I say I think a lot of the boys will admit that when we first started it was it was very much a social social side of the say that was we weren't winning many games, but we knew a good night out afterwards was, and sometimes that was maybe at the forefront of our mind. We were more looking towards the the bus trip home and the night out afterwards. But I see, first couple of years we were kind of down the leagues, and then say we started just to kind of just I start climbing the leagues and climbing the positions, and we just started to get stronger and stronger year in year out. So I say that's. I think the coaches we had, as I say, well, we had a lot of coaches in the last 10 years since I started senior rugby. And every year they're bringing something different. And I say it's obviously just again to the stage that it's all starting to knit together. And I say the combined was just, we were starting to put out the performances and getting to where we are. About that, the I was actually speaking to someone at Saints the other day and they were talking about how many coaches had been in and uh, you know different philosophies different even just different backs moves or line out moves and stuff like that every single coach brought something new and it's like he says your list of things to remember now must just be 10 pages long because you've kept everything from the from the previous coaches how, how has that been it's always difficult when new philosophies are brought in almost every single year I don't know if that's been the case over the last 10 years but you've had a lot of coaches a lot of different ideas a lot of different tactics 
how have you kind of dealt with that? Because that's that's not always easy. Yeah, it's not always the easiest. Is here. A lot of the boys will probably admit that they'll struggle to remember the line-out calls after all these years. But I know line-outs and set-piece, we generally try and keep them keep them the same. With, oh, you'll get some variations, but we'll keep it along the same kind of lines because we're not exactly the brightest bunch of bunch of focus forwards. So we keep it as simple as possible. And I see every year the, the coaches that have came in, they've changed hands, they'll look at what we've done the year before and maybe just add wee bits to it just to improve it rather than coming in and changing the whole aspect of what we're doing. So I say the way we play it, it does work. And I say coaches that are coming in can see that. So they don't want to do too much to change what we're doing. And you see, sometimes you end up going backwards if you try and change too much. Whereas what we were doing was always working and say, we just need fine tuning it sometimes. Yeah. I think it's, it's always difficult. You've got someone that wants to, build something over a number of years and then they might not get that chance and suddenly it's changing again. And obviously we've got that or you've got that now at Saints. You've been searching for a for a new coach. Is there any, can you give us any updates on that? You know, are you part of that process as the captain maybe that, that sees what people are going to bring to the club and, you know, if they're the right fit and if they're going to be there for the long haul, that kind of thing? Yeah, I say I'll have the, there's been names mentioned and things like that, but see, I kind of try and stay out of it and just focus on what I'm focus on what I need to do kind of style. But as say Brian McClellan's very much in charge of sorting coaches and things like that, and see, as I've not spoke to him for a wee while now, but see, he does seem to be going around a lot of people and just trying to find find what's out there. But the the usual Dumfries and Galloway postcodes always always pulls it, makes it tricky to get folk to come down and say they all think it's the, <laughs> the middle of nowhere and nobody's willing to travel below that below that central belt. So it makes life a wee bit dic- more difficult, but we, we will get there, I'm sure, anyways. And we've got some, we've got plans there. I say if we have to, we'll have, we can resort to things and we'll, we'll never be stuck. There's always somebody will become happy to come in and help out and do their bit anyways. So I ask, obviously, if you're a part of the process because you are current captain. So how did that come about? I suppose you know, obviously, you've you've been a been at Saints for quite a while now. Ten years. This is your tenth season. Were you? Was that always something that you were hoping to do, wanting to do? How were you introduced into that role, and and how have you found it since since being the captain? Yeah, it's always something that I've I've always wanted to do. It, as I say, I think if you're if you've captained as a junior right through, your your next step is to hopefully lead your senior side out. So no, it's it's something I've always wanted to do. And as I've captained a few games in the past over the seasons, just if there's injuries and folk missing, they say I have been chucked in at the deep end to kind of float the boat anyways. But as I say no, it's and as I say Gav, as I say got on well with him at the start of the season. And I say he he very much made the decision between him and Paddy Cooper and. I was lucky enough to get the get the phone call to ask if I'd be willing to do it, and it wasn't exactly a difficult answer to give, anyways. So I say no. It's been it's been a tough season, but you get those seasons, and say it's you just keep looking to looking on and hope for the best next year and keep moving forward. So there's no point in looking behind you. Say you just keep moving forward and keeping the boys keeping the boys interested and getting them along and getting them down is always the sometimes the hardest bit but as I say when you can get results it always makes it easier so but no I say it has. there's been times it's been tough this season but you just kind of 
you take it on the chest and keep going and pull through it. So we'll come on to you know season just passed and and what you're looking for during this preseason during 2022 2023 24 sorry but on the captaincy if it's been 10 years you must have had a, a fair few different captains vice captains leadership committees that kind of thing are there those before you that you pull from when it comes to your captaincy or do you really just try and implement your own ideas your own strategies your own kind of way of captaining this team yeah, so obviously I've had my fair share of captains anyways, as I say, well, Jack Steele being the last one, so can I take a lot off of what Jack done? I usually, I kind of go in my captaincies or try and lead from what you do in the pitch, and if you can do that extra wee, the extra wee bit sometimes pulls those along behind you, and just being there and willing to do the work is always a good example for others to follow, as I always think that's a good way to go as a captain, to see if the team see you doing it, they're more inclined to do it as well. So it's just I try and lead from the front and do everything I can anyways. So that's always the way I've kind of looked at it. You mentioned just a second ago, maybe the, the challenge is getting people down consistently to, to training, to games. I know it's definitely been been harder facing relegation, those kind of things you say when you're winning, it obviously breeds confidence and it breeds numbers. They want to be a part of it because there's winning. So, so do you think that's definitely the the challenge is getting folk involved and, and keeping them keen. Especially this season, just the fact is the fact the season's dragged on as long as it did. And say come the t- second half of the season they were getting games called off for frozen pitches and rescheduled and internationals weekends causing havoc and just yeah, it always gets harder as the season goes on and say you see the boys, some of them just start to lose the notion and they say that's when you're that's when the battle comes of trying to get boys down to train and trying to keep the numbers up. And they say it's the cold, wet nights or some of the some of these backs that are a bit softer aren't that aren't that keen on coming out in the cold and the wet and the miserable. But <laughs> say us forwards aren't they worried? We just get on with it regardless. But now there's maybe some prima donnas that just are <laughs> haven't got this thicker skin. You say it's soft backs, Goldie. It's clever backs. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're not going to be able to do our fancy skills in the in the mud and the rain at Park Farm. We're wanting the we're wanting the good solid ground. Let you boys roll about in the mud. That's what you're for. I'm, I, I just want to go back, Goldie, because it's one thing that I was really interested in. So it, it was Boris Duterte from a shooter point of view. The whole restructure was really exciting because there was a possibility of a new league coming in. We knew there was potential for a double double promotion. So, from our point of view, it was it was it was an exciting restructure. What was it like on the other side, where you knew that you guys were going to have a whole league reconstruction? There was the potential, or, or there was the fact that you were going to finish mid table in your league, but still felt like face relegation. So, how how did you go about that? Obviously, Gav came in as the coach. You and Gav would have had conversations in and around how how you were going to approach that season because that that must have been a difficult kind of thing to be looking at. You could finish eighth in the league and still end up going down. So how did you approach that? Yeah, see, it was a it was a kind of tough way to take it. Anyways, and there was many dropping out of the league, and as they obviously kind of restructure this season and a lot of new faces, and we knew that every game was going to be a crucial one, and we were going to have to have to fight for every game to keep ourselves in, in the league that we've got to say, but just it's, I, as it doesn't help the fact that 
it was kind of three quarters of the way through the season before anybody really knew what was going on with the league restructures. They say there was talks of four going down, there's talks of five going down, and saying nobody seemed to know what was going on. And say maybe we've, maybe we looked on it too much, whereas we should have just got on with what we were doing week in week out and just take every game as you can. But I think as the season, as the second half of the season got there, and we were obviously sitting mid-table going into the second half of the season, we just looked at it as if to say we just need to look at each game as it comes and just get what we can out of it and put the performances out on the Saturday and what will be will be kind of thing. As I say, it ended up going that more that direction and as I say, just the way it fell of obviously relegation is what happened. As I, say, I think we're all a bit gutted about being relegated, but at the same time, it's maybe not the worst thing. As I say, we can get a, another year to rebuild and just kind of reset and go again and just keep fighting forward. Relegation through restructuring. Make sure you put that because you didn't actually <laughs> finish bottom, eh? That's that's a fly. You've got to be clever with the words. We're, we're relegated <laughs> due to a restructure. <laughs> we never actually finished bottom. Well, that's true. See, at least we at least we weren't at the bottom, anyways. As I say, there's we didn't embarrass ourselves, so we can't complain. <laughs> Do you think that played a factor in the in the boys coming because they knew being in that mid table? Was then a relegation fight? Did you do you think that was maybe part of it? I don't think so. I say I think the boys that wanted to play rugby and wanted to be there were there week in week out, and I say it was just it's it was a tough one to take. They say obviously a lot of retirements and just some folk hanging up the boots and some just needing time out and we're faced with a, a new squad and new players, but at the same time it's you could put players out in games that. Maybe they wouldn't have normally got a chance because come the end you thought, well, we're those boys got a chance the last couple of games of the season because at that stage we knew the way it was shaping up we were probably going to be going down due to the restructure. So there's game boys that might never have got that, <laughs> never have got that opportunity that did get it. So it's there's positives to take out of it and there's negatives you can take out of it. It's just which ones you want to focus on more kind of thing. And are, are you excited about the prospect of seeing seeing some of those youngsters coming through? Are they looking like they're going to shape up to be to be real assets to the squad and provide you with some some depth that, that going into this season, you know, you can be you can be positive from the from the offset. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of talented young young boys coming up. As I say, there's Kier, Fergus, Lewis have all got their kind of their chances at the end of the season there, and they were getting minutes for the seniors and. Even some boys that have stepped up the last two or three years, they say that have played predominantly second team rugby, they've had their opportunity, and you can see the difference playing that. We level up, as they say they've they've came on leaps and bounds, and say there is there's a lot of talented young boys there, and they say it's the future is looking good. As they say if we can keep them keep them in them face, they say uni is always the issue. Once they step out of Colts and go to uni, they say that's where you can quite often lose them, but. Looking at the way it's going, coming into pre-season, I think we're looking fairly good for for the youth side staying on. And then, as I say, there's a lot of boys are still... There's Nobody seems to be talking about retirement this season so far, so hopefully there'll be there'll be a decent turnout again. So if you were to name name the five players that you're most excited about seeing next season, is the, do those names come to your head easy? Or you want to put, you want to put your colours to the mast and say... John, you need to be looking out for these boys. We're going to be mentioning them all next season in the podcast. <laughs> I see this. I see. I think we've, there's definitely three Colts that I've spoke to that are all 
coming up to stay at than their plan to stay senior rugby and wouldn't want to name names in case they disappear and <laughs> maybe they don't show face. But no, as I say, the boys that are, there's a lot of talented young players that are, as even from the 18 to 21, there's a lot of boys in that bracket that are, they're coming on leaps and bounds every season. And as I say, they are, you can see the difference in their playing and as I say, they're just, I think Marco obviously taking the, the Colts this season, he's really helped. He's really helped bridge that gap. They're at a higher level. They say they know what's coming, having obviously Marco past senior coaches. He's, he's treating them like seniors, and they say they are coming up ready for senior rugby. And they say that does make a big difference. Looking back on this season, then, Goldie, how do you how do you look back on it? You know, I think we said quite a few times that you guys got off to a really good start, actually. There, there were some really, really positive games. I think when when we first started this podcast John so October a couple months into the season you know it was the results were really good everything was looking very positive for for Saints and things start to tail off and obviously you mentioned that is it six getting relegated five getting relegated you know like John said still finishing finishing eighth and still going down is ridiculous and how do you look back on this season? Oh definitely as I say there is a lot of positives to take out of this season as I think our our defence this year has been Phenomenal as he, you look at, as you say, even the second half of the season, fair enough, we weren't winning the games, but we were always within that score. As he, we were never, we were never getting put to the sword, as he, other than Falkirk at the start of the season, where we really did have a bad day at the office. But I think when we were resulting to Paddy Cooper having to step in at 10, it just maybe shows that we we're, <laughs> we're maybe a, li- a bit light in the ground in certain positions, but. Other than that, as I say, we were really we're holding the top of the table, we we're holding them to close scores and they weren't running away with it. And as I say, I think, well, Newton Stewart shows that. As I say, I think that was the smallest score lines they'd had all, most of the season was both against Dumfries. And again, Aki's at home, and as I say, I think the smallest score line they had at home was against Dumfries. As I say, we're, we were always in the fight and we were always there. As I say, just maybe our times just lacked that bit of finishing and attack, I think, was maybe our weakest point. But defensively, I don't think I couldn't fault the boys. As I say, everybody put their put their heart in the line every week and really went out for that jersey. On those Newton-Stewart games, they were, there were some very talked-about games, you know, I think especially on your side because how good Newton-Stewart were last season, both home and away. And and the the score lines against you boys maybe weren't the most exciting when you just look at the score line, but absolutely classic Dumfries and Galloway encounters, and and you must have been proud of those ones. They are definitely the games that yeah that stay in the memory for a long time. As here, every time we've played Newton Stewart over the years, it's always been there's nobody runs away with it. It's always it could go either way. Come the final whistle, nobody knows what way it's going to go, and I think that's. That's what makes it such an exciting game. As I say, your local derbies are always your best ones. And as I say, that's even touch side, touch side, you could see that at Park Farm. I think there was nearly 600 folk in the touchline. And as I say, for a for a, a local derby, as I say, it's a lot of people to be down standing at Park Farm, especially when you come to the wind and the rain and the winter and you can have 50 folk in the touchline's a good day some days. But no, I say it really is those games are the ones that you look forward to and as I say you're you're looking forward to them all season. You know it's coming and you know what it's going to be like. You're obviously, I'm obviously, I know a lot of them, friendly with a lot of them, so you're playing against people you know and it's, it's, it always brings out a wee bit more than certain people, I think. When you know them, it always helps you just maybe give that wee extra 
maybe the wee cheap shot or the wee the trip up of the boots on the way by, and you just you have a bit of a laugh when I say I think that's that's what you need to say. It makes it more enjoyable. We've got to talk about Park Farm this season because no matter what about the maybe the attack should have been better or getting relegated or you know needing a rebuild or whatever, the form you boys had at home was absolutely amazing. And every week people were checking to see you know if if it was a Dumfries home game and if they'd kept that streak going. I mean, you, it was fantastic, wasn't it? Just just the way to make your home ground a fortress is you did that to a T. Yeah, no, the last the last few seasons really we've always been working on the Park Farm as nobody wants to come down to Park Farm because, as I say, we have had it a fortress for a wee while. So slept up slept up a couple of times this season, but again, it was it was always close when it was never a runaway. And I say we do. We do like to keep Park Farms a kind of a bit of a fortress, and some of these city teams aren't that fussed in coming down a cold, wet Park Farm in the middle of nowhere with the wind and the sleet blowing off the top of Criffle, and it can be it can be a miserable place at times. As I say, I can even admit that being on the pitch, as I say, there is some days you question what you're doing with yourself. But no, it does really. I think it pays in our favour, as I say, the boys knowing it's a cold, wet day that. We know what we need to do, and I say we know what we can do it on our home parks. I say it can. <laughs> no, there's a lot of teams aren't that fussed and coming down to Dumfries anyways, and it's always good when you've got that in the back of their mind before they've even got in the bus that they're, they're coming down to Park Farm. I suppose then on the reverse of that, you could just say that a huge part to work on is your away form, because if you know that you can be so strong at Park Farm and you were last season, season just passed, you know, you, you, you did amazingly well at home, then it obviously just comes down to your away form, doesn't it? That must be something that should be a big work on for, for next season. Yeah, I think it's definitely something that we're, we're needing to work on. And it's putting the finger on what it is, what the issue is, maybe might take a bit more finding, but I think it says something that we're needing to just kind of have a think about and see what we can do differently or just get the the opinions from the players and speak to them and kind of go through their ideas if there's anything they want to change that they think would benefit in the way days. And, ah, it's just some days you seem to, it takes you to half time to get off the bus. And for that stage, it's usually too late when you're in that kind of, in that, that league, as I say, it's just your, you need to be switched on from the first whistle, not the half time whistles. So it can take a bit to get the, the bus out of the legs, but we've had some good results on, on the road and I say we'll have, we have took it to the sword with some of them, but no, we just need to need to keep working on it and just improve it and try and find find where the weak link is, maybe. On the, you know, you said the fact that in that league, National 2, you'll get punished, you know, if you're waiting until halftime to actually get things going, you'll definitely get punished. How have you found the level of, of Nat 2? Because for so long in Scotland, people look at the Premiership and even the Premiership, they look at less because of Super 6 now, but Nat 1, Nat 2, even Nat 3, some fantastic teams with a lot of history and a lot of great battles. How have you? How did you find National 2, the level of it? Was it the highest level that you've played at, playing at Saints? Not just the team you're in, but the teams round about you, you know, some of the away days you have to go to, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I would say, personally, I think National 2 is probably the kind of one of the toughest competed leagues there is in Scotland to say, oh, Every team on their day could win 
and they say any team could be at the top of that league. As you could see, you could look at how the league tables went this year and say there's been teams up, there's been teams down, and say it's it's changed week in week out. And they say obviously having played there, been in Nat Two for the last couple of seasons now, and they say there is a big step from Nat Three to Nat Two. And say you do notice the difference, and they say it's just everybody's that bit more physical and. As say the speed of the ball and everything, it's just everything's up another gear. And they say obviously I've I've played against some Nat One teams before, just with kind of the cup finals and the National Cup, and obviously the final of the National Cup playing Kelso, and that's a team that now you look at them now and they're striding away in that Nat One league. Whereas when we played them, we didn't think there was didn't think much of them. And I say again, we played them the preseason the following year, and they say. We thought we felt that we could go up to National One and we would not embarrass ourselves. We could go up there and fight with the fight with what was up there. And I say hopefully one day we'll maybe get there and give it the go and see what we can do. I don't know if you know who the teams are for National Three next year. But I think for next season there'll be there's some different places, you know, you'll you'll be able to go to. A few you mentioned maybe some Aberdeen kind of ways and that made me want to ask what, you know, the, the camaraderie that you've got in this Saints team. I think you said they're they're always looking forward to a good bus trip. I think every rugby team are, but, you know, you've got to be a very close-knit team to go through promotions and relegations together. And, and I just wonder how maybe this gelling of this group has differed to some other years that you've played at Saints. Yeah, I think this year, I'd say it's probably... We have had a lot of new faces coming in. As I say, we've had the the same core groups been there for well, the same kind of core groups been there more or less since I first started senior rugby. So it's a long time now, and as you've got that core, but then you see you've you've new faces coming into it, and sometimes it just takes takes some a wee bit longer to settle into it than others. And but no, I say I think we very much the priest we do live by. You're you're all part of the same family. So you're all there for the same reasons and. You're all there for the club, and they say that's that's a big push that we want. They say they say you want everybody playing, singing off the same hymn sheets, and really doing what they can for the club, and giving that bit back to the club for everything they've done for them in the past. So, no, I say we do really live by the the family atmosphere, and I say we do try and get as many socials and things as we can, and just get everybody sat down and just keep get the get the kind of crowd tightened up and make the outsiders feel less like outsiders and more like part of the same the same club kind of thing. So you do see some some struggle to just fit in and take that wee bit longer to get out their shit come out of their shells, but we always break the shelf eventually and get them get them on get them involved in the so you can ah, it's amazing what you can bring out of some folk anyways. So with that said, you know, you've got a new season coming up, you've got a new league Boys are gelling well together, some new places to go to, new clubs to see, bus rides to have. How are you attacking pre-season? It's the start of June at the moment. When are things going to get kicking again? When are you getting prepped? How is prep going to go? What's it going to look like as as captain? All that. Yeah, see, I think, well, I think we're kind of giving, giving folk that couple of months off. Obviously, the season finishing as late as it was, we felt that, you could tell that the boys were just needing needing some time away and just needing that bit of time to kind of gather themselves again. But I would, yeah, come July we'll be looking to get back into pre-season and get firing again. And, 
yeah, keep building on what we did last season. I say I think I say our defence was really good, and I say we've obviously we've got that in the bag, so we we can always we can always keep working on it. I say rugby's a great sport, for there's always something you can improve on. You're never the best at everything, so the backs, as I say, I think we're just needing a wee bit more in attack, maybe in the back line. But you can see, come the second half of the season, there that we're all the new faces were starting to fit in and we're starting to gel with each other and they were getting their timings right and they say they were working well with each other and they say the performances were starting to show as well. They say they were really coming on a lot come the second half of the season and say it's just, they just keep building on that and just keep heading the right way and they say it's looking forward to it all kicking off again fairly shortly and we'll give it another crack of the ball. Speaking of the backs, you you had Jason this season, of course, and there was a lot of talk of him, well, not him, but the, the boys saying, as you just said, you know, making things a family and, and trying to have everyone involved, get them out of their shell, that kind of thing. And and um, I know that the boys took to Jason, Jason took to Dumfries, and a shame for him to go, but it's, it's that kind of camaraderie, you know, friendship that bringing people in, maybe only having them for a season or so, must be fantastic having people from you know all over the world coming in coming to Park Farm. It's quite hard to hard to believe, really. Like when you say on those cold, windy nights. Yeah, as I say, I think we've we've, we've been fortunate at Dumfries over the over the seasons. We've had we've had those foreign players coming in, and just those different, just different characters and different ways of playing. And they say they've got different mindsets. And as a Jason, I actually spoke to him a week ago, ten days ago, and. Just kind of catch up, and he was saying on the phone that he says Dumfries is very much his second home now. I say having coming in, come in as an outsider, not knowing anybody, he says he treats that as his second home now. He says he he's wanting to come back and he's wanting to see more of it and do more, and he says he's want, still keeping in touch with the boys and say still hear from them. So you can come in from outside and not know anybody. But we always try and make you feel part of part of the Saints family. That's a big thing that we'll, we'll look at at the club and see everybody is, is see, they're all part of the same club and that's what we want. And We don't want to feel, folk to feel like they're left out and not involved. As see, it's even just getting the training nights we're mixing with the Colts and the Thursday night kind of team runs and just it's just getting them involved. And as I say, they get to know boys when it's coming to senior rugby and again, going about junior sessions and things and just showing face and it creates that they see the faces and they say that gets the boys down on the Saturday watch and, and they say that's the that's the kind of family atmosphere you want. They say you do your wee bit as a senior that you think an hour an hour during the week showing up to a junior session has a big impact on what they do and they say they really appreciate that. So I think we're looking to do more of that next season just and just really kind of getting their getting the seniors getting out there and just there to be seen. I say this with the utmost respect to both you and everybody listening, but I do find it amazing that someone from South Africa is raring to get back to Dumfries in the coming months when September, October, November, December in Dumfries and he's raring to get back from wherever he's from, Johannesburg or somewhere like Cape Town. I find that amazing, but play. we need to talk about next season and we do have the teams that you're you're going to be playing against. So, I'll read them out quickly and we need to know kind of what the work-ons maybe are for for next season. Obviously, we've talked about waveform. We've talked about the defence being really good this season, but maybe something else in attack. So you've got a few 
decent trips in National 3. It's going to be Saints, Boromir, Cartha Queen's Park, Hamilton, Preston Lodge, Hillhead Jordan Hill, Powell Fife, West of Scotland, Allen Glens, and even Orkney. So some big, big trips there. A lot of bus that you'll need to get out of your legs, like you said, for next season. Is that is that and what else is the work-ons for 2023-24? For yeah, so there's going to be some some fair trips, as you say. There's a, a lot of travelling, as I say. We, I know we kept we were kind of looking as the seasons were closing out and we're checking where Orkney was because we've been there and done that a few times and it's a good weekend away, but that is a as a long trip for a for a game of rugby, so yeah, it takes it out of you. But yeah, we're fortunate that obviously all the teams that were in that league we've we've played them in the last few seasons. We've, we know what they are. And see, oh, fair enough, they'll be every team's changed a bit, and they say they'll have different stuff. But we do know what we're going in for, and we know that all those teams are beatable in our day. And see, if we're on our if we have our have our right side out and the right mindsets to see every one of those teams is beatable. I say we've been there and we've done it before. I say it's not too big a task, but we're just needing to, yeah, I think they're, I say the away games, we're just needing to look at what we're doing there just to get ourselves better prepped and say whether we're needing to change things and just do things differently. I say we're needing to have a think and get the opinion. I say I think I kind of like to speak to the boys and, get their opinions and I say Paddy Cooper's very much the same as he's going to be hanging about again next year and he's very much in the same. He likes to speak to the boys and see what their opinions are and what they feel that they can do or what we can do as a club to try and improve where we are and see if there's anything we're always open to see if there's if there's anything they don't like, whether it's training or anything they're they're always more than welcome to let us know and say we will we will take it on board and see what we can do to to alter it and next season will bring its challenges and see a lot of young boys and just we just need to keep working on what we've done this season and say keep going back and say we were finishing strong and say the results maybe weren't showing how we would how we would like it to show but what we were putting out there was I say I think it was a different team nearly a different team every week as I think we're, we're just shy of 50 boys have played first team rugby this season so it shows we have the depth there but it's just Maybe sometimes it'd be nice if it was just 30 boys had played first team rugby and you're the same folk week in, week out, but that's just work commitments and again being a, a rural club to say is you just you struggle sometimes just to get everybody committed. But no, I say I think we're needing to again the commitment to training always makes life easier. If you can get the numbers down to training and, and the boys showing face, it always it makes everything else easier. I say if you can get the numbers to play 15 on 15 is always, you've got the, the older heads that can maybe teach the younger ones a few things and just take them aside. And There's a lot of strong voices in the club that can take boys aside and just say, look, if you need a hand with this, let me know. And as I say, that's a big focus I think we're looking at is, is everybody helping each other out. And as I say, if there's anything that they think that they can um, help somebody improve on, just like say, look, I will give them your opinion, let them know. And I say, a lot of the boys, some of them would be, I know when I was younger, I say I would maybe would ask too many questions and <laughs> sometimes they wish I'd shut up. But I say I don't mind the younger ones coming up and asking you things. I say that's it's the best way to learn. I say speak to the folk that have been there and done it. Everybody singing off the same hymn sheet next year, I think, will be, I think we will be a force to reckon with. 
So Goldie, you mentioned earlier on in the podcast that you've had a quite a few coaches on your on your journey on your way through. If we go all the way back to to your first head coach, drop their name and then give us two or three things that you have really learned from them and then we'll work our way through to obviously Gav, who was your coach last year, and then we'll maybe be able to catch up next season and and see if there's a couple of things you've been able to pick up from your from your new coach, whoever Brian is able to snaffle to snaffle out of uh, out of the central belt. Yep. Uh, so well, first first senior coach would Mickey Hunt, and as I say, obviously I had Mickey Hunt my last two years at kind of J- J- Colts rugby under sixteens. I had Mickey then as well, and yeah, stepping up to the seniors, Mickey loved the the old murder ball, and say that was what most. That's what most Tuesdays and Thursdays seem to be filled with. Is say you'd be the dead ball and you would just knock the living crap out of each other for an hour and then you would go home. But I say I think that's that's probably a pick, I picked up a lot from that. Is say you you weren't allowed to hide. I say you didn't get an option of hiding. I say you were chucked into the deep end and yeah, I say the likes of back in the day with Gareth McCall and Stevie White and all that lot. I say. Some boys that did like to throw the odd punch every now and then, and so you made sure you stayed on the right side of things, but brought on me on a lot as a player. From a young age, you weren't scared to get yourself stuck in and give it your all. And so I think that's what you had to do. See, if you hide, if you hid in that kind of circle, you you just got found. So. Next after that, was that Nick, or was it Tom? No, I was fortunate I didn't get Tam. I say I think the the fitness sessions are always a are always a misery with Tam. But I say obviously, I had Nick Humphreys for a couple of years. I say I really really rated him as a coach. I say I was fortunate I knew him before he came to Dumfries. I say having he coached me at the Glasgow age grade right through. So I've had I had him I had him up there. So it was always handy a face that you knew coming in and say. Really liked the style, the way he tried to play the game. And say the style he played, it did really suit what we were at the time. It really suited what we had. And say we came on a lot over that period. And say then when he left, obviously we had a couple of foreigners come over and kind of fill the boots. And say they took it on for a couple of years. And again, they always bring a different style of rugby, having come in from one New Zealand and South Africa. They've it's very different style of rugby down down there to what it is over here. And I say there, I think every year we've been fortunate. They've always brung a slightly different aspect, and we've always we've maybe built on something else every year, and we've took something from each coach, which has probably got us to where we are now. And I say that in the last last few years we've had Marco, really rated Marco as a coach, and I say he's brought us on a lot and. It's handy having somebody that's obviously played with Marco when he first came up and he knows a lot of the boys and he knows the faces and he knows how to get the best out of players. And as say that we really did benefit from having Marco there and what he brought to the game. And as he, yeah, just it was, he admits himself as he was past the stage of playing. So he says, I may as well pick up the, pick up the coaching side of it. And say that, yeah, he did a really good job with the seniors for those, the three years that he was in charge. And, Really took us on a lot, and they say got us. They say obviously two third place finishes in the league, two seasons in a row, and just we always seem to just fall off at the end, and just unlucky to get not get the promotion. And then obviously Gav, what did what did Gav bring last last year? 
Yeah, I say Gav last year and say ah, I really rated Gav as a coach. I say again, I've I had Gav as a coach at Glasgow under twenty under twenty ones. So as he was a forward coach then, and obviously being a forward, I loved the way that Gav coached and the way he wanted the the push he put into defence. And they say that's he lived off of defence. And say if you weren't if you weren't smashing boys, he wasn't happy. And I say I think that that really helped a lot. I say all the boys kind of got to the mindset that look, we're maybe not the biggest pack out. That maybe some of them are maybe the biggest. Our back rows not the biggest back row in the league by any means, but Pound for pound, they'll they'll put double on some of the boys that are twice the size of them and say they will, we will go out and fight and say the backs the same defensively they really stepped up and say I think that was a big, big from Gavi to say he had a big impact on the defensive side and that really really we really did benefit from that. If it wasn't for our defence this year, we might have been <laughs> we might have been a bit more embarrassing at the end of the table as he I think the defence really did. Really did save us this year, and I think that was a lot down to Gav and the work he put in. So then, Goldie, the only thing left to ask is what you are planning. So we always ask five weeks and five years. I think five weeks probably speaks for itself. Pre-season will be starting. You'll be getting ready to kick things back into gear, hopefully get yourself back up into that too. Five years, though. Or if there's anything else in five weeks, of course, maybe there's something different you're doing this summer compared to other summers. Five years, more importantly, though, still playing at Saints, still captaining. What what are we hoping for? What are you wanting? Very much the next five years, uh, I don't see myself ever going anywhere else to say of the Saints badge tattooed on the chest. So there's a there's a limit to where else you can go when you're committed to the, the ink of the badge. So, but no, I see I've... I've always been Dumfries to say I've I've had the offers in the past that want folk want to go further, but I've always I've always been Dumfries to say it's it's a second home really. You're playing with your friends week in week out. They say it's just it's a good laugh and I say I want to play as long as I can, playing until the body the body physically says it can't anymore, which it might come quicker than I want it, but we'll just have to time will tell when we'll get there and yeah, I say I'll I'll keep the captain as long as they as they want me to captain and say I will I'll stand there and take it on for the boys and say I'm always want to be involved. If the day does come that the boots get hung up and say I'll do my bit within the club where I can and maybe pick up that coaching side of things and do a wee bit that way. But we'll see, hopefully with another another few years playing rugby yet before we need to worry about that. So we'll see what happens anyways. Well Goldie We've had a few more technical issues today than we normally do, to be honest. So thank you very much for sticking that out. And just thank you very much for coming on the pod. As I always say, someone, everyone brings something different and you've always got a smile on your face when it's coming to talk about rugby and there's plenty to talk about when it comes to Saints. We wish you all the best for next season. Hopefully get you on again next year when you're rocketing up National 3. But as always, thank you so much for coming on and we... We really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed yourself. No, thanks for having us. It was uh, good to get on eventually anyways, as I say, enjoyed it. So, no, always happy to talk about rugby and what the Saints are doing and say everything you can do to get the Saints out there and spread the word the better. So, no, good place to be in and say definitely keen to chat again next season. And as you say, hopefully we're we're flying up not free and getting back onto winning forms and pushing ahead and 
looking good. So, no, thanks for having us anyways. Thankfully, John, for the first time in a while, we've got a part two for our episode today because for the first time in a while, rugby has been going on. There's been some fixtures to chat about and a few awards as well as a big announcement to make. But of course, we'll start with the rugby. And as I always say, rugby never sleeps. It may be summer, but there's always something going on and always a bit of fun. Some sevens that we'll chat about in just a second. But first of all, a few good fun games that were played and definitely fun for those at Shire. We don't know a lot about this. We're hoping to get some stories from from their travels because they were playing over in France, weren't they, John? Yeah, way back in in the middle of May, Shire took a took a wee jaunt over to over to France, where they they put on a real display. I think is the best way to say it. They had the the piper was out there piping them onto the pitch as they as they ran on over over there, but. They ran out, unfortunately, losers in that game. It was 37-34. Try scorers were Scotty, Big Tuna, Cam Young, Mick, Monsieur Henry, and also Dusty. And there was three conversions went over from Frank the Tank. As we say, we don't know very many stories because we all know what happens on tour stays on tour. But someone will break their silence over at Shire at one point. We will find out a little bit of story and we'll see if we can bring that to you over there. But apparently, by all accounts, it was a, a really good game. It was played fast and loose throughout and the local crowd were left in awe of the Scottish flair that was on display. Good to get the Dumfries and Galloway flair a little bit further than just our region. As you say, we don't know a lot about that one. We'll find more. But we do know quite a bit about a game that Annan had. Because you were playing in it, John. So I believe it was a, a Young Guns team versus the Oldies team. Everyone, I'll give you five seconds to guess which team John was in. But it was a good day, John. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so I got a phone call from Chocolate who says he was trying to put together an over-35s team to play against the Young Guns, did a, did a fancy a run-out. And of course, at the time, I was I was trying to play a little bit kind of coy. I was like, yeah, listen, Chocolate, I would, I would love to, but, you know, give me a shout near the time and, and let me let me know if you're, if you need me. Um, but keep, keep, me, keep me in mind. Try to be polite, but good old Chocolate managed to remember that I didn't give him a definite no. And he came back to me the week of the game and said, don't worry, John, we've got 35 boys. Bit of fun, bit of a run out, come and, come and have a game. So I said to him, yep, more than happy to go along. Little did I know that he's 35 uh, players, majority of which were forwards, and they had no back subs. And that was my uh, my job. And within five, ten minutes of the game, 15 minutes of the game, the first injury went down. One of the boys pulled his hamstring after making a a darting run up up the wing. He had to go off. There was another injury in the back line, so they had to go off. So that was time for me. On a, on, I trotted, thinking, I'll I'll get to half time and the boy will be right and he'll be able to come back on. But 
lo and behold, five minutes onto the pitch, one of the other old boys dislocated his knee. <laughs> so so I was like, oh well, guess I'm guess I'm here for the long haul then. But what a what a game. What a what a score line. I think there was something like a hundred and ten points scored across across both the teams. With the young guns unfortunately just running out and I'm gonna call some Call out Mr. Craig McCann. We've had him on the podcast before. There was a bit of jiggery pokery going on with letting the young guns run down the hill a little bit longer than they, they, should, they should have been, making us old boys run up the hill when it looked like we were going to win the game. And also going to call out the young guns as well because they brought on Josh Whiteside, who's their Players Player of the Year for Annan. Although he is still under uh, 23, he came on, pulled the strings for the young guns and when they looked like they were getting ahead, they they whipped them back off to obviously protect them going into the next season. The old boys mounted a massive comeback. A lad, Kieran, made a made a run. He's a prop boy caught the ball off of a off of a stray kick, I think, grubbled through, and managed to burst through about five or six tackles from what will be by now. After it was a bit a week ago, by now he'll be telling everybody it was from the halfway line, burst through seven or eight tackles to score under the posts, which brought the old boys back into it. In which case, the young guns got a little bit scared and brought Josh Whiteside back on. He's got that rugby ability about him, real talented player, and obviously fit, and knows his, knows his way to manipulate some space. And us old boys are just a little bit half half a yard slower than what we, we were back in our day. And, and Josh managed to pull them away, get them into the lead. But it was a great game, played sweltering heat, Played in good spirits. Some of the old boys struggled with the new the new laws. Come the beginning of the game, I knew I was in for a good time when uh, I heard a front row saying, what's what's the calls for this scrummage and stuff again? Crouch, touch, pause, engage. <laughs> I thought, oh my goodness, here we go. But as I say, great game. Played in memory. Someone that they lost. A club member who they had lost a little bit a while ago. So... It was good to be involved, great to be involved. And as I say, 90, 100 points scored. It was 59-41 for the young guns. And the, the trophy was in memory of uh, Sarah Bell. And I think their family was there to present the trophy as well. So it was a great day. Had, and Ladies' Day as well on top of that, I think, as well. So it was an awesome day to be involved. So thanks very much for the invite. And yeah, I'll I'll see. I wasn't too badly injured. I three big blisters on my feet. That was the worst of my injuries. So I may have another run out again next year, chocolate if you're if you're looking for another player. Yeah, and that's what summer rugby's all about. So good that everyone had a had a good day. I think there's definitely another very good day to be had this weekend. I think we had oh no, sorry. Obviously we had Adrian Henry from Rugby People who's been organizing the women's seven series this weekend is at Stuart Tree for the second leg the first leg we had the weekend just passed and our Stuart Tree sirens were involved yeah so that first round was held at Carther as you say the, the second round coming down to Greenlaw so there was played in in pools there was Cougars were there Hills were there Carther Geary as you say the sirens I don't know how you see it. Slangevar, who seemed to be a, a mixed team, 
but it was uh, yeah, it looked like a it looked like it was a great day. The Sirens won out their first game four two, with tries being scored by Jade, Hannah, Helen, and Sammy. Lisa kicked a couple of conversions. The the Hills game. That didn't go the sirens' way. It went four-one to Hills with the tr- the only try being scored by Hannah. Uh, Geary got five tries to two. That was Jade and Donna who got them two tries. Their next game was six-one victory, and that was Hannah got one, Jade got two, Lisa Richie got one, and Donna got another two, which meant the final standings. Saw the Sirens finish fifth with Geary just ahead of them. Carther, Hills and Cougar winning overall. They are the current reigning champions of that competition as we heard from Adrian last week. So it'll be interesting to see what the teams are bringing down this week. It does look like it's going to be a cracking day with Cougars bringing down two teams. Herriots coming down, Fife Select being there. Hills, Geary, Carter, our very own Wigtonshire making the trap across and Slangevar coming down for a, another little runabout. So good on them. As we say, it's going to be a great weekend at Greenlaw. So if you're looking for some rugby, that's the place to go. Yeah, great that we've had some rugby played over the past couple of weeks this summer and we've still got some good games, good tournaments to look forward to as well we also have some any other rugby business for the first time in a long time which is exciting and some really big congratulations to go out some Dumfries and Galloway folk that we're very proud of excellent awards at the SRU awards the other night and we had a couple of winners John yeah we did so the national community awards First of all, we had the volunteer of the season for youth rugby, and that went to Wigtonshire's David Irvin, who we've spoken about previously on the pod. We've had a bit of banter across social media with uh, with David on our Facebook page. His monthly award, we gave him a shout-out on the podcast, and he was absolutely mortified, so we gave him a second shout-out. And I said that I would need to get his autograph. And lo and behold, the next time I seen him, he handed me a photograph with his autograph on it. So that must now have gone up in value, being as he is now, as we say, the National Community Awards volunteer of the season for youth rugby. So a massive shout out and a well done to him for winning that award. Next up on the awards, we had Mark McCormick, who again we've mentioned numerous times on this podcast, having a stellar season at Newton Stewart. I think they picked up man of the match something like sixteen times out of the out of the season, something phenomenal like that. So Mark went away with the National League Two Player of the Year, and not to be outdone, we also had representation in the women's side of the game when Nicole Barlow, who again numerous mentions on this podcast for her season at, at Annan Warriors. She came away with the Player of the Year for her league as as well. So a massive, massive well done to both Nicole and Mark on their awards, and of course David for his award as well. So well done, repping DNG rugby far and wide. Last but not least, then 
we have our own announcement to make and it's something that we've had in the pipeline for quite a while and we're very excited to finally start getting these building blocks that we've we've made off the ground we are starting a clothing line basically so we are in collaboration with BE Uniforms who are working with us at Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast to create our own merchandise. BE Uniforms is a clothing manuf- manufacturer established in 1989 and works with rugby clubs, schools, businesses, all of their kit right across Scotland and the north of England. And we're hoping that there'll be basically a store ready for us with all sorts of kits. So they work with Canterbury, they work with Macron, they work with all sorts of different ones that they get involved with. And for us, they'll be creating some kit in partnership with Macron. So we're hoping for some shorts, some t-shirts, quarter zips, hoodies that'll look really smart, all shapes and sizes, caps, everything you can think of, beanies. They're already there for you. Looking smart in the Dumfries and Galloway rugby podcast colours and badge yeah and it's phenomenal that these guys have have agreed to come on board and and help us with with that roscoe they have 10 retail stores across scotland and the north of england they are one of the largest uniform manufacturing companies in this area they have over 200 staff 130 embroidery heads which means they have the capacity to do over 30,000 embellishments in just one week. As you say, the partner with Canterbury Macron lead the country in supplying rugby kit across the whole of Scotland from Melrose all the way to Oban as well as across the globe. And we are so happy and so excited to be in partnership with them. They are available for clubs as well to come and get their kit so if you're looking for some new kit for the season give them a call it's BE Uniforms you'll be able to find them on our socials we'll we'll publish them they'll do an online store for you they'll make sure you get the right fit of all the kit they'll get samples I met with Andrew the salesman and he definitely knows his stuff about what's good kit so he makes it totally bespoke for you makes the process so simple and also on the shop there's a little bit of a kickback for clubs so if someone Ross goes and buys a piece of uh, kit from his club the club will get a little bit of money back from that as well and that saves the hassle of having to wait three months for everybody to get their order in then when the order comes in try to chase round people to try and uh, find out where their kit is and are they going to be at the club on this day or that day? Just takes the hassle right out of it. So if you're a rugby club looking for new kit, BE Uniforms is the place to be. Yeah, everything is really quick, really simple, and we're absolutely buzzing to be in partnership with BE Uniforms. We're going to give you lots more information as it comes to us. We'll be chatting about them a lot. We'll let you know when the store goes live, so keep looking at the socials. But as I say, it's going to be a fantastic partnership, and we are very excited aside from that we're excited for some more rugby this weekend for some other things coming up over this summer and then eventually for clubs to get into pre-season and getting 2023-24 kicked off 
Thank you very much to Goldie. Fantastic guest today. As always, the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Until next time. Cheers, John. Cheers, Roscoe. Cheers, folks. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a like and review on our social medias. Our Facebook page is Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are DG Rugby Pod. We also have the Score Predictor, which we run weekly, which will be on our social media accounts. And once again, thank you for any support that you offer the pod. It really does help us spread the word of rugby in Dumfries and Galloway across the country.